Three. Good morning, everyone. This is Susan Freeman with Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Uh, everyone has a story, and we give a voice to the women who have a story that's meaningful, moving, and compelling. We share that person's story with the world so that in their shining, they can give permission to others to do the same. Tune in to Freeman Means Business on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and other great channels throughout the web. Today's guest is Jen Scalzi. Many of you know Jen. Jen, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you on. Thank you. Happy Friday. Oh, yes, it is Friday. I totally forgot. I'm headed to Healdsburg tomorrow, so happier Saturday. (laughs) Before we begin, Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am the CEO of Calibrate Legal, which is a, a consulting firm that specializes in marketing operations efficiencies for law firms and the marketing departments within law firms. We also do executive search across various business services teams for law firms, focusing mostly on legal marketing, uh, human resources, professional development. That's really where our sweet spot lies. Nice. Um, you know, you've been doing this for how long? Let's see. Uh, the, my business has been going for almost eight years, but I've been in the legal marketing industry for 20 years. Wow. Wow. So over this last eight years, have you seen any changes in, um, you know, the clients reach out to you to help them find candidates for particular areas? I know that titles have changed since I first started in legal uh, we now have knowledge managers and MarTech right. people. I mean, do you do search for that as well? Or, or what are the titles you do search for before we move into the rest of the podcast? Let's see. Yeah. So on the marketing side, and I'll use marketing as that all-encompassing bucket for everything that would fall under a, say, like a CMO umbrella. So marketing, business development, communications, that's really um, the bulk of our placement work uh, in that division. Uh, and we really do everything from top to bottom for these firms. And it could be I mean, we have, I think, 28 open positions right now. Wow. Them, yeah, they're all exclusive to us. We uh, only work with clients whenever they work exclusively with us and really partner with us. So we've got a number of opportunities open right now across uh, North America. Um, we also have an alliance partner in London that we do a lot of global search work with. Uh, I would say... In terms of what we've seen most recently, we, we absolutely have a supply and demand issue. There are like just simply not enough people to go around to fit, to fill rather all the positions that are open. So uh, law firms are really understanding that they need to differentiate. They need to have put a stake in the ground about who they are and who they're not. And then they need talented professionals with expertise in this area to do that for them. I would say one of the biggest trends uh, in addition to marketing technology that is uh, sort of making its way through law firms are the people who are focused on industry. So uh, used to, it was one person with three jobs in a law firm. So let's just say a business development manager for a corporate practice. They would also, they would have three jobs. So the first would be just regular BD manager for corporate responding to your RFPs, looking for opportunities, business development plans, that kind of thing. Then they would also oversee maybe the uh, financial services client team or industry team rather, and they would have five key clients in banking, right? It was one person, 
three jobs. Now we're seeing it break out three people, three jobs, which opens up a whole other layer of coordination. But that industry focus is something that's really, really taken hold. Um, and Finally. Yeah. I know, right? So for 20 years, we've been talking about the need to be industry focused because it's much more client centric than mm -hmm. practice area focused or the traditional silos. Um, I want to say first, huge shout out to you. Um, when you said 28 open positions, I didn't realize that these firms were exclusively working with you. So that's 28 firms or 28 positions with firms that believe in you and your services enough to say, we trust Jen, we're not going to bring our business elsewhere. That's huge. So thank you. Yeah. It's probably, probably more like I would have to do the count 10 firms with multiple positions at each firm. Right. Awesome. So, yeah. It's uh it's, it's one of those things when they, when they work with us once they, they tend to come back again and again, it's really really rewarding and when you get to work with a firm and over the course of the time you get to really understand who they are who the players are what their personalities are and it makes it a little easier for us to find the right people and bring bring them to them even proactively sometimes yeah well that keeps you wicked busy to use a word i used to use a lot when i lived in your neck of the woods that's right <laughs> yeah. that's the understatement so, and not but you know what i'm grateful for it yeah so i was gonna say good problem to have so listeners, Jen lives in Massachusetts, and I know by my accent, you can't tell that I ever stepped outside of Louisiana, but I did live in Massachusetts for about 12 years, and had I known her then, how much fun we would have had, because I was probably 12 minutes from where she lives, where I lived is about 12 minutes away. So that's a fun fact that no one knew. Mm -hmm. um, so let me ask you this, what is your proudest professional accomplishment? It's such a good question. I would say, I would say the time that I walked into a law firm boardroom, a Wall Street law firm boardroom full of, um, you know, middle-aged white males made a pitch and won awesome. uh, over uh, my my competitor in that scenario, two of them were firms that their presenters, if, when they did their pitch, were were the same demographic. I was ah. the outlier, and and I won. I just remember thinking, wow. And I and I asked them after. I said, why'd you pick me? Awesome. Uh, and they said it was because, you know, they I was not the brand name firm. I was not somebody that they had ever heard of before, but somebody on their marketing team had suggested. And so they met me uh, and it was because I knew what I was talking about and I had the connections and I had the relationships and I was able to bring value to them in the initial conversation that the others weren't able to bring. Um, right. Just the depth of the industry and really the inner workings of it all. Uh, and it was, it was really meaningful, powerful and, I'll never forget that day. A turning point in your life, I'm sure. So the number one reason people do business with other people is ease in doing business. Right. But I bet number two, three, four, and five was all about you because folks, if you don't know Jen, she is open, honest, and direct. Um, like most Bostonians are, but with the soft approach, she knows how to communicate effectively in the language of the listener. So that's something I rarely find. Um, I do know that women and men communicate differently, as you know, that's right. part of what I do, but you have a way of 
gathering insights and information before you frame your narrative or tell your story. And that way it's more relevant to the listener. And I've always appreciated that about you. Let me ask you this question. Um, this podcast is focused on women who uh, inspire others. And you have certainly personified the word leader. Um, I believe that you have motivated and inspired others to do as well, or even in some cases better than you have done. And that's um, on that, on that, that's a dream. Yeah. That would be a dream. If that's oh. what I, if that's my legacy. That would make me happy. Well, wake up sister, because you've <sighs> done that with others. Maybe you don't realize it, but you have, you've been an inspiration to many. Um, Jen speaks a lot at events, LMA events, and, um, she's very accessible and makes herself reachable. You can call her for questions you might have. Um, and, and she doesn't do that just to, to gain something for herself. She's always there lifting others. And you know, that's what this podcast is about. So let me ask you, who has been your best inspirational mentor? So I have so many for, for various stages of my life. So I've told this story multiple times and um, I keep telling her that I tell the story, but it's a, there's a partner at the law firm. I, I worked for a law firm in marketing and business development for about six years before flipping over to do recruiting for marketing professionals. And I remember I was about maybe six or seven months into the, to my sort of marketing coordinator job. I had started in HR and billing, don't ask. And I, <laughs> I can't count. So it's fascinating that that billing thing worked out for me. Um, and <laughs> I switched over to, to marketing. And I remember that, that there was this partner who, uh, how to, she's, the chair of the the firm to this day, their, their affordable housing practice. And I remember her just taking the time to sit with me and explain her practice to me oh, and explain, nice. explain what it was that she did and how she wanted to make an impact and, and who her client base was. And, and then she invited me to go with her to a, a ribbon cutting for a, a project she had worked on. And, and so we in Texas, I'm from Texas originally, right? So everything's a road trip. You go places and you, right. count, by yeah, you count by hours, not by miles. Right. And so we went on a nice few hour car ride, uh, so that I could see the product of, of the work that she had done. Oh, nice. and, I remember she, and as an aside, she said, just wait for it they won't thank the lawyers. Okay. Just wait for it. So sure enough, they did all the thank you, thank you, thank yous. And there was no thank you to this woman at all, uh, which was really funny. Um, and maybe sort of sad, but, uh, nevertheless, she took me and really showed me the fruition, how it all yes. came to fruition. And to me, that's been something that's been so powerful for me, both in terms of how I try to lead or manage others is to give them the perspective to help them be successful. And had I not had someone that was willing to take the time and explain and teach and show me, I don't think that I would have been as successful. So that's, that's one inspiration. Um, and I think about that all the time. That's so great. Do you still keep in touch with her? I, I mean, you do. said you talk to her sometimes, but yeah. yeah, 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 I do. And I've, I've mentioned this story probably in, in four different places over the past couple of years. And, ah, um, and I always, are you at Liberty to share who she is? Yeah. And what her, yeah. Her name, credit? yeah. Her name is Cynthia Bast. She's a partner at Lock Lord and based out of Austin, Texas. So yeah, I, I always tell her when I do it and it's funny. Nice. Um, She's like, I had no idea. She, you know, it just came out of her, right? So for me to make such a big deal out of it, you just don't know 
when you can make, when you're making an impact on somebody and to this day, she still didn't realize that that's, that was so powerful to me. So I think secure women share and share by showing, uh, lead by doing, not just, you know, write down directives and say, say, here, go do this. But let me show you what this means to me so that you can understand, you know, the verbal and nonverbal cues and how deeply important this was to her. And even that three hour car ride. I mean, I know being from the South, you bond with people when you're on those car rides, the road trips, as you call them, we call them that too. So it's so funny that you said that that we don't go 10 miles North and then turn Northeast or West or whatever. We go, you know, three hours down the road and take a ride at that giant Oak tree. That's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) So I love it. I love it. So that's so great that you give Cynthia credit still to this day. And I wanted to mention her name and firm because she deserves that credit. Um, I'm sure you have served as such for others. I personally believe in lifting women up. That said, how would you advise other women, especially in our industry? It's a tough industry because we work for lawyers who are generally um, tellers, not showers. You see what I'm saying? Um, They'll spot issues even when it's not required of them. Mm. (laughs) So how would you recommend we um, support other women in legal? Or women should support other women. Yep. So one of the things that I value most, and I, I talk about this in every possible platform I can, is the value of perspective and that there's a real problem in the legal industry and in that we don't leave our bubble. And it's very difficult, I think, to provide very much meaningful value unless you take yourself outside the bubble and experience other things. Powerful. And I did that accidentally. I didn't mean to. And I, had I not done that, I wouldn't have known, but I accidentally stepped out for about 18 months um, before starting this company. And I went to a technology startup and that was a whole other world and experience. And I took the time to actually just step away from LMA and from just law. I was just had a moment. And so I joined, uh, the young professionals group for dress for success, which is an amazing global um, organization that helps empower women uh, from, you know, disadvantaged women to get on their feet and promotes financial literacy, et cetera. And I got really, really, really involved in that organization. And that was made up of all kinds of young professionals from every industry you could imagine from fashion to, you know, derivatives to culinary arts to you name it. And that, perspective, getting to meet all of those people. I also became very involved at the time with an organization that was called 85 Broads, which is now called Elevate Network. Again, another global organization. Yeah, of women in business. So at the same time, I got involved with both of those and I met all of these women in banking and, and like I said, fashion and just amazing contacts of people that I learned things that I didn't even know were things. And when I stepped back into law, I was able to bring those contacts and bridge a lot of gaps Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, set up meetings with people who would have never had the opportunity to meet one another if it hadn't been for me having a moment of perspective and getting to meet people. And so um, that is one thing I would say, anytime you have the opportunity to step out and just take a breath and 
meet people outside of your bubble. That's one thing. The second thing I would say that I, I'm fascinated by, it comes out of me naturally, but I'm fascinated at how women aren't more inclusive in terms of... You're here. Right. So I'm always saying, hey, can this person come with us? If I have like a drinks thing and I'm traveling and it's a one-on-one, if it's a one-on-one and there's a purpose and we need to talk, that's one thing. But if it's like, can't wait to catch up, I'm always saying, hey, can this person come and can this person come? And it's, it's very regular that I'm in a city with, you know, men and women, right. you know, a dozen people that didn't know each other before I brought them together. And I am always looking for ways to introduce people who I just think would like each other Yes, to each other. But people don't do that. People on a regular basis, I'm thinking, I wonder how come that person didn't think to- It makes me sad, Jen. I'd like to go to dinner with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me sad, but I think, um, well, first of all, I'll share what I immediately thought of, Southern upbringing. Okay. So we're all about collecting people and then connecting those people. Uh, we are all about, you know, the party's much more fun, the more people who show up and diverse attitudes and, and so forth. And I brought that with me throughout my career and I too stepped outside the bubble. But I think that it's so funny now that I'm back in that bubble, I look around and I hear mostly young ladies because that's what, but not all, I mean, there are men and women in our industry, but it's mostly the lady, the young ladies I hear say things like, um, oh, you know, the lawyers don't have perspective because they went to law school and then they worked at a law firm. So they don't understand business or how to connect or network and that sort of thing. But then I think to myself, you know, do we do that? We hang out with the same crew. We go to the same conferences, we listen to the same speeches. I know some of the stuff I teach, I've been teaching for 20 years in financial services in Boston and then in legal all across the country. But um, we don't step outside of our own bubble, like you just said. And um, I only say women because that's been, I've been surrounded by women in the legal marketing arena more than men. But I agree with you. And I always think about who else would appreciate meeting this person that I know, love, and trust. Yeah, you're good at that. That's something that, and it must be because we're Southern. We'll, we'll, we'll give ourselves <laughs> But it's interesting, uh, every month in our, our company newsletter that goes out, we have a, at the very bottom, it says what we're reading. And every month, it's something that is not published by somebody in the legal industry. So it's, And it's all about perspective. So this month was the 2019 IBM Global C-Suite Report. So for 19 years, IBM has been putting out this report on um the global 1000 companies and they uh-huh. survey uh, all across the C-suite, CMO, CIO, CFO, CEO, whatever, and talks to, talks to them and say, what are the business trends you see? What's keeping you up at night? Um, what nice. are you guys doing in terms of expansion or, or retraction? And I always say to people, I love that report because if you translate it properly, that's the fortune 1000. Those are your clients actually right. telling you where the opportunities might be for you to serve them. Um, the things that are they're worried about or their expansion plans, these are all opportunities for law firms to capitalize on if you would just go listen to them um, in, in yeah. their own space. So I have learned over the years of training lawyers that um, most of them are INTJs, which right. means they are afraid to ask mm-hmm. questions for fear of appearing ignorant. However, 
not being business people, they don't realize that on the other side of that table is a client who wants you to ask questions, who wants you to know about their business, their industry, their competition, their, you know, tell me, you know, learn more about my language, how to speak my language, what, what I'm trying to achieve. So I asked the lawyers, have you seen your clients to your strategy? I mean, there's no more five year because, you know, things change so quickly yeah. that that would be obsolete. But mm-hmm. have you seen your client's strategic plan? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, you know, you have a very intimate relationship with this client. Everything is confidential. Why would you not want to see their business strategy and, right. and understand? Yeah. So I'm totally with you on that. I see that a lot. Um, I am, I, I'm older than you and I've been seeing it for many years. I don't think that, that we can overnight change, um, an attorney's behavior because we certainly can never change someone's personality, but we can certainly help them become more comfortable with changing their communication style. And, um, you're right. The client centric approach is always, always best. I think it comes easier to us um, as women, because we communicate in a more collaborative way. Right. Um, first off, let me ask you this, all that's great. And I know that you have, um, come to see great success and you will continue to, you're, um, likable, trustworthy, and easy to reach and easy to do business with, but I'm sure you've had a huge challenge or a big setback and some point in your career or life. Um, what has been your biggest challenge in your career and how did you overcome it? So this is probably going to be a different answer than what you might expect. I think the probably expectation would be that I'd give you an example of where we've had to overcome something in our business or something like that. But, but what I'm going to give you is something much more personal than that, which is, okay. I have, um, really in the last two years had to take a deep dive look into me. Who am I? How and why do I tick? Um, uh, I am my own worst enemy, which I think that's true for Common. many people. Yes. But I, I used to uh, have a hard time receiving feedback without completely shutting down uh, and not being able literally to continue moving until I slept it off and moved on. Um, and so I think that was a challenge for the business, for, for me personally, of course, was how do you receive feedback that's not, necess- not positive? Right. Uh, and do something constructive with it and not allow it to own you and to understand that everybody gets negative feedback. Sometimes everybody's rejected sometimes. And I've learned that if I can understand what it was that caused the, the rejection to happen or the failure to happen um, and then admit it to somebody else, then I'm able to let go with, of it faster. So, um, we, oh, and then, so I'll tie this back to something last, last year, we, I went and pitched for a new piece of business, um, with a small firm that had never had a marketing professional before. And I think I was maybe arrogant about it. I, I came across just a little bit too, um, my ego came out, I think, uh, why wouldn't you hire me? Of course, this is what I do. 
And you think because they were a smaller firm and you've dealt with the big guys that maybe you thought this would be easy peasy? Yeah, I miss I I misread them, which is uncommon for me. Like I really don't usually misread my audience. And I Folks, really, I'll say she's right. She's usually spot on. So we all we all have those moments where we trip up. But, but I did. I I I messed up, and they were these. It was these women were these lovely people that interviewed me. Um, had the courage to call me on the phone and give me feedback and tell me exactly what it did, was that I did wrong. Wow. And I valued it so much and I internalized it and I cried. I was so upset. I let myself sure. down, I let my team down. Here I was, you know, somebody who couldn't close for probably one of the only times, the uh, first time. And so I actually ended up calling one of my team members and just saying, here's what I did. I messed up. Here's what I said. Here are the words that came out of my mouth. I messed up. So Jen, I have to say, I think that, yes, it was courageous on their part and they did not have to do that, but that's a sign. So I always tell people, and I'm on the receiving end of negative feedback on occasion, my personality is very strong and um, I like to think of myself as assertive, not aggressive, confident, not cocky, but that's how I think of myself. So I need to make sure my audience feels the same and not see me as aggressive and cocky. Right. So I understand I've been in your shoes and I feel your pain. I try to advise myself and others to listen with empathy and not judgment. And it seems that that law firm in their um, courageous call to you was sharing um, because they care. And I think feedback is a sign of respect, right? Not what you say it could be positive or negative feedback. It's how you give the feedback. And I, like you, am a super sensitive person. And I would hate to think I disappointed someone or I took the wrong path or I offended anyone. Um, and I too used to be just paralyzed and debilitated when I would get negative feedback. Uh, but now I know to take that as a sign of respect and be grateful that I have the opportunity to change course. Right. So you're probably a better person for it. Absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. why I said this was my, I overcame it. And I've learned that if I, if I tell someone that I messed up, someone that I respect that I messed up, it, it's really freeing. Yes. It doesn't just live inside of me, but I've admitted it to somebody and then I can move on. And so that's the answer to my question. Is well, I, I'm actually impressed that you chose a personal answer. Um, I think the easy route would have been to choose, um, you know, something about your business or your work or your, you know, but you made it about you and you showed your vulnerability. And I think um, I've written blogs about this where vulnerability is truly a sign of strength because you allow other people permission to be human and to grow spiritually and intellectually and mentally or emotionally from your experiences. You know, you protect others by sharing, Hey, that happened to me, right? Don't let it happen to you. Or if it did happen to you or does happen to you, you are not alone. Right. So I think that's beautiful. Well, um, tell me a little bit. I want a surprising factoid about you, something no one knows or maybe something funny or, you know, whatever you'd like to share that, that isn't on your website or in any of your speeches. Oh, goodness. Well, uh, I would say that probably a surprising fact is that I went to college on a vocal performance scholarship. So wow. I was, I was a singer. <laughs> nice. But I hated it. 
And uh-huh. so after a year, I changed my major and, and I wound up graduating with a political science degree, but my, my focus was on Middle Eastern studies and nice. I minored in Arabic. So that's you incredible. See, but you can see how that's a direct line into legal marketing recruiting, right? I mean, it's just, <laughs> that's yeah, I can see. <laughs> yeah, so it's all over. I'm all over the place. I think it's so fantastic. So just because you didn't enjoy the curriculum um, doesn't mean you're not still an amazing uh, singer. So next time I see you, I'm going to say, I'll buy you a drink for a song. How not happening. That? I'm not, I don't <laughs> sing in public. Not happening. Well, maybe I'll have to buy you two drinks before you give in, but okay. You might, you might have to put me, just me and you in the car and we can do like the carpool karaoke. That would work. That would be so much fun. That would be so much fun. I couldn't imagine someone I'd want to take a road trip and turn right at the oak tree more than you, Jen Scalzi. Uh, well, let me close with this. Um, you're always fun. I'm hoping that this podcast will share some of that fun with others. How do people reach you if they want to talk to you or learn more about what you do or how you can help them? Sure. So there's a a bunch of different ways. Actually, our website is calibrate-legal.com. And there you can find uh, my email address. My phone number is there. Uh, We're also on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. So there's all kinds. If you put in Calibrate Legal, you'll find us. Great. Well, I'm going to create a blog post and I'll write all that in there and then embed the link to this podcast. And I'll upload your bio and your headshot so that folks get a better feel for who you are. So now we can see you, hear from you, and read about you as well. So Jen, it's been fun. It's always fun. Thanks so much. I can't wait till I'm in Boston next time. It should be soon. I keep saying that um, and plans keep changing, but I have friends and family there and I'm, I'm like a stalker to the young couple that bought my old house. I go by there. I'm like, how's it going? They're like, yeah, I know. Right. They're like, you need to let go. You know, (laughs) we live here now. We bought it. Um, But I love my home there and I have lots of friends, uh, you included. So I'd love to see you soon. Thanks for taking time out to be with us today. My pleasure. I'll chat soon. Bye everybody. Bye-bye.